VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And today's Crosstalk is a Friday news roundup and comment. We uh, share with you many of the news headlines that uh, Sandy has been compiling for us here behind the sounds all this week. And then hopefully uh, receive some comments uh, back from you later inside of this uh, uh, one-hour show that goes so, so fast. We do the best we can to get to the uh, stories that you really need to know that you may not be getting. You may not be getting everywhere else. You may not be hearing this on your uh, 6 o'clock news tonight or whatever you may be choosing to. So we uh, we work hard during the week, Sandy's compiling these stories. We bring them to you so that uh, you can uh, truly know what is uh, happening. Many of these things you may already know about, but uh, all the same, uh, we're happy to uh, share this with you. Not Obviously not happy with the subject matter in many cases, but happy to uh, be able to have the opportunity to just present uh, what is going on. I am Dalton Windsor, in for Jim Schneider today. And, uh, well, right here on the, st- on the uh, top of the stack of news, uh, I think we'll just go with ladies first here because I'm looking at stories from uh, or regarding Hunter Biden or Tulsi Gabbard, and we're going to say ladies first. And we'll start there today. She's been receiving headlines all this week. Um, several years in the Democratic Party, former Hawaii Representative Tulsi Gabbard. Have you heard about this one? Tulsi has announced that she is leaving her party. Because in her view, her party has become the party of the powerful elite. Uh, Tulsi, she made the announcement this past Tuesday, giving an explanation about her decision on a, a new YouTube series of her own. Uh, but many of the uh, networks uh, have been uh, talking about this. I, I believe ABC, one of those that broke it. And then uh, Tulsi, uh, she also visited with uh, Tucker Carlson on Fox News and uh, kind of just giving a little bit of uh, of her explanation uh, to him. You know, Tucker, as, all, as, as you know, I've, I've always been an independent-minded person, a Democrat, yes, but an independent Democrat. And my loyalties are very clear. I love our country. And I took an oath both as a service member, as a soldier, as well as as a member of Congress to support and defend the Constitution. And that's an oath that I take extremely seriously And so when you look at this party, the the today's Democratic Party, it's controlled by fanatical ideologues who hate freedom. They despise the Constitution. They actively find ways to undermine our God-given rights enshrined in the Constitution, like freedom of speech. If you say something and I say something that they don't like, instead of saying, you know what, agree to disagree, live and let live in the traditional liberalist kind of way, no, That's not good enough. They will do all that they can to destroy you, silence you, smear you, work with big tech, work with corporate media to actively destroy anyone who dares to even question their agenda. They are against freedom of religion. They are hostile towards people of faith, people who have their own spiritual practice, especially Christians, finding ways to uh, be vindictive, to discriminate, to punish people who happen to exercise that freedom of religion. The list goes on and on, but the foundation of freedom is really what was at the heart of my making this decision, that I cannot be a member of a party that is against freedom and actively trying to undermine it. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard, not necessarily a household name. She did uh, unsuccessfully uh, run for uh, Democratic presidential nomination back in 2020. I believe that's probably my first recollection of her uh, she has served as a Democratic representative for Hawaii from 2013 to 2021. Now, uh, as you just heard, uh, leaving the Democratic Party after the direction it has taken under the Biden administration. Not sure what her future plans are, uh, where where she will be going uh, from here. And I would think that there would still be cause for questions and cause for concern 
as, uh, you know, is she going to remain now more of an independent? Is she going to the Republican Party? What What is the future here? Uh, I guess uh, I guess time will tell. You know, when when we're talking about, you know, party lines and party opinion and such, you know, here's a headline from Life News. Democratic candidates. Here, let me back up. The headline says every Democrat in every key race supports abortion up to birth, meaning if your due date is tomorrow, the current position of the Democrats that are in every key race right now, the current position is that you could abort that child a day before its due date. Life News saying Democratic candidates running in key midterm races have refused to outline any restrictions on abortion that they would support, a position held by a small minority of Americans in debates with Republican opponents, uh, Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes, Michigan Representative Alyssa Slotkin, Ohio Representative Tim Ryan, and Arizona Senator Mark Kelly express support for legal abortion up to the moment of birth. Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, and Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams have also taken the same position, which is shared by only 10% of Americans. That according to a recent Harvard uh, Caps-Harris poll. So uh, to leave, to for someone to be announcing they're leaving the Democratic Party, uh, definitely some questions about, all right, where are you going from here? Uh, has your position changed? Uh, where is your position for life and family? And so uh, we obviously uh, uh, wish uh, uh, Representative uh, Tulsi well, Tulsi Gabbard well, and and uh, certainly agree with many of the things she had to say regarding support of uh, our Constitution here in America and freedom and those things. We like those things. We love those things. We, to be honest, we have clearly taken these things for granted. And we need to certainly stop and pause and just truly consider all that we have, we've always had here in our country. And I'm glad someone, we give her credit for saying, listen, I, <laughs> my party's left me. They're going the wrong direction. So we'll see where, where we go from there. So I said on the uh, stop at the uh, top of the stack here was uh, uh, that story. And then right behind it was uh, a story on Hunter Biden. And uh, this from Just the News, Kentucky GOP Representative James Comer says that if Hunter Biden gets indicted, it should be on major charges and not small potatoes. Well, uh, what we're hearing out of the Washington Post and rumors that we're hearing what Hunter Biden is going to be indicted on are small potatoes, Comer said on a uh, Wednesday edition of Just the News. Did you hear this story? Or... Okay. Apparently, lying on a gun application, tax evasion, these are things that we've known about Hunter Biden for a long time. Comer says, I don't really care about those things. We're investigating Hunter Biden not to get Hunter Biden. We're investigating Hunter Biden because he is a national security threat. Comer said this, uh, said that the media is protecting the Biden family by not asking the tough questions. He went on to say that when CNN interviewed the president of the United States last night to talk about Hunter Biden, they talked about his gun violation. They don't mention the millions of dollars, the millions of dollars that Hunter received from a Chinese energy company, which is now the American version of Enron. So that's an interesting story. And With the president having talked about that, the New York Post reporting uh, a little bit on it this week, saying that President Biden appeared to admit Tuesday, he appeared to admit Tuesday that his son lied about his drug use to buy a gun, which is a federal felony. And he was pointing to his his son's memoir, which describes his roaring crack cocaine addiction at the time. In uh, Joe Biden's first public comments, Since the Washington Post reported last week that investigators believe there's enough evidence to charge Hunter with both tax fraud and lying on the gun purchase, Biden told uh, CNN's Jake Tapper 
that his son now is on the straight and narrow. And I sincerely hope that is true. Uh, The president says of his son, Hunter, he came along and said, by the way, this thing about a gun, I didn't know anything about it. But it turns out that when he made an application to purchase a gun, what happened was he say, I'm just reading this verbatim, was he say, I guess you get asked, I don't guess, you get asked a question, are you on drugs or do you use drugs? He said no, and he wrote about saying no in his book. Joe Biden says, I have great confidence in my son, I love him, and he's on the straight and narrow, and he has been for a couple of years now, and I'm just so proud of him. There is a copy There is a copy from October 12th of 2018 where we, as we speak we are now in this month of October that's hard to believe we're in the middle of October from October 12th of 2018 gun transaction form indicates that Hunter had answered no to the question are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant stimulant narcotic drug or any other controlled substance and, of course, uh, with this article, there are several photos that are not very um, complimentary of, of uh, Hunter Biden. And it is just unfortunate that a story uh, of, of this magnitude, you know, that this has to be getting so much attention. But it rightfully so needs to be uncovered. It needs to be. We need to. Is Hunter Biden a national security threat, which many contend that uh that he is. So I guess we'll see where we go from here. Many are contending still that uh, that uh, January 6th is the biggest threat we've we've ever received. Here's a quickly before our break from One America News Network. They are reporting how uh, Donald Trump is uh, slamming the January 6th committee. He has denounced the January 6th committee's vote to subpoena him. Tuesday, Donald Trump took to the Truth Social platform After the committee's unanimous vote, there he referred to the committee as a total bust. He claimed that they only that they have only divided the country even more. And he questioned why the panel did not ask him to testify months ago. Finally, uh, he accused House Speaker Nancy Pelosi of California of failing the American people on January 6th for not heeding his recommendation for troops in the Capitol ahead of that day. So the timing on all of this is interesting. Uh, I think most would agree as we as we uh, are so close now to midterm elections and how we just continue to get battered with, you know, the latest development on, on who we're, con- who, uh, you know, on uh, on Donald Trump. Here's another headline. Uh, the Daily Wire reporting uh, the FBI offered Christopher Steele. One million dollars for evidence backing up the dossier claiming the dos- his dossier claims about Trump dossier being a collection of documents. Uh, the FBI offering Christopher Steele one million dollars if he could prove allegations recorded in his uh, now infamous dossier. This was from this past Tuesday. Uh, they uh, said, "Did you have any information to corroborate uh, that information?" on all the evidence uh, supporting his claims and the report is I'll tell you what well, there's a little bit more to this we probably should cover let's take this break we'll come back and uh, close out this story stay with us back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris creation seminar speaker at the Institute for Creation Research Dr. Morris how many different types of animals did Noah take on board the ark Chris, detractors from the biblical flood story say that there were way too many animals to have fit on board the ark. But not so. Let's look carefully. First off, we need to recognize that most animals live in the ocean and would not have to be on board the ark. They would survive, at least in representative numbers, outside the ark. By the way, Noah didn't even have to take two of every species. The Bible says two of every kind. Probably a broader category which might include a number of species, like the dog kind. Altogether, I suspect that there were probably less than 20,000 animals on board the ark. This was difficult for Noah, but not impossible. At least that's the way I see it from a Back to Genesis perspective. To learn more about creation, get our free DVD called That's a Fact. Call us at 800-628-7640 and mention the promo code FACT. 
And Crosstalk continues here on the VCY America Radio Network. Friday news roundup and comment. We will open up the phone lines. In just a little bit before the break, we kind of ran out of time here, and uh, we want to make sure uh, we ourselves understand all of this uh, story here. The FBI, uh, according to the the Daily Wire, saying uh, the FBI offered Christopher Steele $1 million if he could prove allegations recorded in his now infamous dossier, this from a senior FBI analyst uh, in court last Tuesday, FBI analyst Brian Otten testified in the trial of Igor Danchenko, the primary source of allegations in the Steele dossier, a dossier being that collection of documents, this uh, dossier that the Bureau placed a $1 million price tag on uh, for confirmation of the dossier's outlandish allegations, Steele was unable to provide any evidence. Otten said that he and a group of FBI agents met with Steele in October of 2021, that'd be a year ago, and offered the former British spy $1 million for evidence supporting the dossier. And Durham asked Otten, On October 21st of 2016, did you have any information to corroborate that information? And Otten responded, no. All right. Those uh, stories, uh, they do continue, and there's so many names and personalities and legal things that there's so much to, uh, to try to unpack in some of these. But, wow, you just hope that uh, somewhere some light can get shed on, on many of these uh, things. Newsmax reporting today the Justice Department was sued yesterday, Thursday, by the Heritage Foundation's Oversight Project over claims that the DOJ... The Department of Justice failed to comply with Freedom of Information Act requests for documents that explain why it ignored protests outside the Supreme Court justices' homes earlier this year. Certainly you remember. Surely you remember that. All the protests outside of the homes of uh, our Supreme Court justices. Heritage said in a press release uh, announcing the lawsuit, the requests sought documents and communications regarding the recent intimidation of the protests carried out by radical abortion supporters outside the homes of Supreme Court justices in the wake of the leaked Dobbs draft decision and later the court's official ruling in the case. By the way, that leak, has there been anything else said about that lately? Hmm. I don't, I haven't heard anything. How did that leak? We still don't know. Are we just going to shove that one aside as well? Uh, Robert, I'm sorry, Roman Jankowski, a senior investigative counsel for the Oversight Project, said in a statement, We think there are answers to those questions in the documents we have requested, and we have a right by law to those documents. The lawsuit focuses on U.S. Code Section 1507, which makes it illegal to picket or parade quote, in or near a building housing a court of the United States or in or near a building or residence occupied or used by such judge, juror, witness, or court officer with the intent of influencing the outcome of a case. Every time I hear a story of such and hear how our Supreme Court justices, which, whichever one of the nine or all of the nine, every time I hear them talking about them, I'm reminded to pray. Uh, if that's what it takes, uh, fine, but we, we certainly should be praying for uh, our Supreme Court justices and, well, our Supreme Court as a whole, you know, in our, our country. But certainly, <laughs> I'm glad they're trying to do something about that. Uh, the National Review reporting documents obtained by the Heritage Foundation following a Freedom, Freedom of Information Act request are casting fresh doubts. Kind of shifting gears here. Casting fresh doubts on last year's whipping controversy concerning U.S. Border Patrol agents. Remember this one? Apparently there were American Border Patrol agents on horseback with whips that were whipping those trying to come into America 
and they were quickly condemned. Well, according to the... And and if that were the case, certainly they needed to be questioned, but many have said these uh, photos that went that went viral were uh, salacious regarding uh, what happened, that, that it was there were false representations given. According to newly released emails, Department of Homeland Security uh, Secretary Mayorkas was aware that the popular narrative that the Border Patrol agents had whipped a group of Haitian migrants was false. One of Mayorkas's uh, staffers sent him an email less than three hours before the press conference relaying the account of uh, the photographer uh, who was named here, the photographer who took these uh, fo- photos that went viral and said the uh, salacious account of what happened was false. The photographer saying, I have never seen them whip anyone. He, the Border Patrol agent, was swinging it, but it can be misconstrued when you're looking at the picture. He was on horseback, if you remember that remember that story. Here is a... Uh, from Front Page Mag, members of Congress apparently trading stocks. Forget Congress trading stocks. Top EPA officials are trading stocks. Members of Congress shouldn't be trading stocks, says the headline here. But that raises the question of whether non-elected officials should be. This from the Wall Street Journal and as well Front Page Mag. More than 2,600 officials at agencies from the Commerce Department to the Treasury Department during both Republican and Democratic administrations disclosed stock investments in companies while those same companies were lobbying their agencies for favorable policies. That amounts to more than one in five senior federal employees across 50 federal agencies reviewed by the journal. A top official at the Environmental Protection Agency reported purchases of oil and gas stocks The Food and Drug Administration improperly let an official own dozens of of food and drug stocks on its no-buy list. A Defense Department official bought stock in a defense company five times before it won new business from the Pentagon. This goes on to say that more than five dozen officials at five agencies, including the Federal Trade Commission and the Justice Department, reported trading stock in companies shortly before their departments announced enforcement actions, such as charges and settlements against those companies. More than 200 senior EPA officials, nearly one in three, reported investments in companies that were lobbying the agency. EPA employees and their family members collectively owned between 400000 and nearly $200 million in shares of oil and gas companies on average each year between 2016 and 2021. About 70 federal officials reported using riskier financial techniques such as short selling and options trading, with some individual trades valued at between $5 million and $25 million. In all, the forms revealed more than 90,000 trades of stocks during the six-year period reviewed. We will set that one aside. To uh, shift gears here, we'll probably stay with this subject now for the remainder of this segment, and we may end up spending a little bit of time here, but we, we definitely want to uh, get, into, get into this one because, friends, as much as you and I and we would like to see COVID go away and never be talked about again, they're not going to let that be the case. And Liberty Council, and of course that's Matt Staver, Liberty Council a press release from earlier this week saying that uh, Pfizer, Pfizer Incorporated and BioNTech announced that the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, we're talking the FDA, they granted emergency use authorization for a booster dose of their Omicron, and it has the big code word here, the Omicron COVID-19 shot for children 5 through 11 years of age, even though the companies have not completed the proper trials. Okay, I'm glad Matt is letting us know about this. Thank you, Liberty Council. The FDA stated, for each of the uh, COVID-19 vaccines that were authorized today, the FDA relied on immune response and safety data 
that it had previously evaluated from a clinical study in adults of a booster dose of this uh, bivalent COVID-19 vaccine that contained a component of the original strand of SARS-CoV-2 and a component of Omicron lineage, uh, the BA.1. Uh, the FDA considers such data as relevant and supportive of vaccines containing a component of the Omicron variant, BA.4 and BA.5 lineages. Liberty Council reports these data and real-world experience, real experiences support the emergency use authorization. That's the report here from the FDA. They support the EUA, the emergency youth authorization, of the COVID-19 vaccines in younger age groups. Therefore, no testing on children was done with any of these uh, updated boosters. These specifically that we're talking about that Matt released, Liberty Council released Wednesday afternoon. So, more updated shots. Now, there are several more stories here. We'll maybe get to one more before as we're nearly up against another break. But talking about Pfizer, a top Pfizer executive's admission Monday to European lawmakers that the pharmaceutical giant never tested its COVID vaccine to determine if it stopped transmission is raising new questions about the global effort to compel people to get these jabs. Uh, Janine Small, Pfizer's president of International Developed Markets, uh, made the stunning admission while testifying before the European Union Parliament. She was asked if the company tested its mRNA vaccine on stopping transmission before rolling it out. If not, please say it clearly, Roos said. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Small who was sent to testify when Pfizer CEO Alberta Burla declined, said the company didn't have time to see if its vaccine would stop the spread of COVID. Regarding the question around, uh, did we know about stopping the immunization before it entered the market? She said no. She said no such tests were conducted because the world was facing a health crisis. Ruse, who represents the Netherlands, later shared a clip of Small's response on Twitter and said it showed that the global campaign to force vaccination to protect others was built on a lie. Millions of people worldwide felt forced to get vaccinated because of the myth that you do it for others. He said this in a video which has been viewed more than 8 million times. Now this turned out to be a cheap lie. This should be exposed. Ruse claimed the admission that Pfizer never tested its vaccine, its vaccination to determine if it prevented or even slowed the spread of COVID shows there was never a legitimate basis for vaccine mandates or passports, passports, which he said led to massive institutional discrimination as people lost access to essential parts of society. Ruse says, I find this to be shocking, even criminal. And probably the half has yet been told. A few more things we will report on uh, the jab and uh, the coronavirus. Oh, no, it's not over yet. Stay with us. We'll continue on the other side of the break. This is Crosstalk. Year after year, generation after generation. We as Americans enjoy the right and opportunity to let our voices be heard through the election of our governing officials. With over 200 years of peaceful transition from one elected body to another, the stability of America's republic stands alone among nations. Our founders pledged their life, their fortune, and their sacred honor in the establishment of this nation. Our country's founding documents have guided this nation and are the substance by which today's laws are judged. Do you own a copy of the Constitution? Documents of Freedom is a pocket-sized booklet containing the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and all other amendments passed. The booklet also features the Declaration of Independence and Washington's Farewell. Documents of Freedom is available for a donation of $5 or more to VCY America and can be made by calling 1-800-729-9829. That's 1-800-729-9829.
Thank you for joining us. Crosstalk continues on the VCY America radio network. Friday news roundup and comment. Yes, we'll get to the phones here in just a few more minutes. As uh, well, before the break, we mentioned uh, there are some more uh, some more stories on the coronavirus. It's not over, friends. They won't let it be over. But now, if you recall, back in September, believe me, uh, it was the uh, it was President Biden's appearance on the CBS program, sixty Minutes, where. Uh, wasn't it proclaimed the pandemic was over? Do you remember that? <laughs> well, the Biden administration this week actually extended the COVID-19 pandemic status as a public health emergency for just another 90 days. This preserving measures such as expanded Medicaid and higher payments to hospitals. The decision follows the comments that President Biden did make in September describing the pandemic as over. In his uh, 60 Minutes interview with Scott Pelley less than four weeks ago, Joe Biden walked around the Detroit Auto Show wearing no mask and remarked about how normal it seemed and how everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. But nonetheless, this week, extending the COVID-19 pandemic status as a public health emergency for another 90 days. And those in favor would argue, well, you're just simply preserving measures such as expanded Medicaid and higher payments to hospitals. And so that's one reason we are still talking about it. Here's another uh, reason we're still talking about it. National Guard. The National Guard gives service members COVID-19 vaccine instead of the flu shot. The National Guard administered the COVID-19 vaccine to multiple service members who were lined up for the influenza vaccine, including a member who had objected to the COVID-19 vaccine on religious grounds, this according to officials and one of the members. Now, I will have you know that this incident took place Late last year, we're finding out about it now. This from the Epoch Times. But uh, during a vaccination clinic where both flu and COVID-19 vaccines were being administered, three service members were accidentally given a COVID vaccine, said uh, Major Carl Lamb, a spokesman for the Maine National Guard, again, who uh, spoke with the Epoch Times. And one would wonder with all of the uh, current Public service announcements and things that's saying, oh, you can get both shots at the same time. Well, you just, uh, we must be careful what we're uh, accepting. Here is uh, from LifeSite News. Analysis estimates that ventilators killed at least 30,000 people at the height of pandemic lockdown. More than 30,000 Americans were killed by being played, and I... This may be affecting you personally, and we're sorry about the heaviness of this story, that more than 30,000 Americans were killed by being placed on ventilators for COVID-19 through April 2020. This according to an astonishing analysis by attorney and investigative journalist Michael Singer. Early this month, in his newsletter, Singer reviews data from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, saying, on all cause... Excess deaths by state during peak lockdown in April 2020 and determines that over 30,000 Americans appear to have been killed by mechanical ventilators or other forms throughout April of 2020, primarily in the area around New York. The first pattern that emerges from this data, he wrote, is a clear correlation between population density, particularly in low income areas, cold weather, and excess deaths per capita. This shows New York City, uh, with New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Massachusetts generally experiencing the greatest percentages of excess deaths per capita for each week of April 2020. It goes on here to say uh, the fact that states like Vermont and New Hampshire, which are both very close to New York, had some of the lowest percentages of excess deaths of any states 
Even more remarkably, Maine is very close to New York and had virtually no excess deaths to speak of throughout April 2020. What best explains the discrepancy, he argues, is that the area around New York experienced a particular hysteria for the use of mechanical ventilators in spring of 2020 to an extent that other states did not. Given we now know that patients over age 65 were more than 26 times as likely to survive if they were not placed on mechanical ventilators, it's not hard to see how this hysteria for mechanical ventilators in the New York area accounted for the particularly high excess death rates in that region, Singer wrote. And then lastly, while acknowledging the lack of sufficient investigation into the question to yield conclusive answers, Singer offers a minimum of 30,000 as a conservative estimate based on the data above. That 30,000 number saying more than 30,000, that's an estimate, more than 30,000 Americans being having been killed, being placed on ventilators through April 2020 from the COVID-19 pandemic. See, friends, we're, I mean, there's still so much coming coming out of uh, out of this and uh, will will be for you know such a, a a long long time and then uh, let's go ahead and uh, open up the telephone lines and and hear from you on uh, these stories or or possibly something else the uh, telephone number to call is 1-800-733-9829-1-800-733-9829-1-800-733-9829 Todd Starnes this week published an article and this is so sad the teen daughter of U.S. congressman was healthy and fully vaccinated U.S. congressman Sean Caston of of Illinois and his wife continue searching for answers after their 17-year-old daughter died in her sleep in June. 17-year-old Gwen Karsten was found unresponsive in her bedroom. The Castens called Gwen a healthy 2022 teenager who was, quote, fully vaccinated and had tested positive for COVID-19 more than, more than once in recent months, but never experienced sick symptoms. Vaccinated and quarantined after occasional positive asymptomatic COVID tests during the Omicron wave, the family said in a statement she was fine and then her heart stopped. Medical examiners now say the teenage girl died of a sudden cardiac arrhythmia. We don't know what caused the arrhythmia and likely never will, the family said. They said that Gwen ate well, exercised, got regular checkups, didn't suffer from any behavioral health issues, and had close relationships with family and friends. The medical experts just can't seem to understand how a fully vaccinated teen could die so suddenly. The Caston family said, We are left grasping at the wrong end of random chance. None of us know when our last heartbeat will come. The best we can hope for is that when our loved ones do pass, we will have no regrets about the time we were uh, the time we had to, enough to share with them. Uh, the family letter concludes, So hug the folks you love a little harder today. Be present in their lives and spread your love a little farther because in the end, um, love is all that remains. And then uh, Todd Starnes, he uh, end his, ended his publication with a comment, Would you take a moment and pray for the cast and family? And this is so far beyond any political argument uh, Partisanship. This is a family that is continuing to mourn the loss of a beautiful, I'm sure, beautiful, young, healthy teenager. And answers are very few. Again, that's the uh, Caston family of uh, of Illinois. One eight hundred seven three three nine eight two nine. Beth is in Wisconsin. Uh, Beth, we thank you for calling Crosstalk today. Ah, uh, yeah, Dalton. You know, I, this uh, congresswoman, I believe you said she was congresswoman from Hawaii. I heard about um, heard her about a day or so ago, and you know, when I was listening to her, I just I, I just couldn't compose myself because I'm thinking she's pulling the biggest con ever. First of all, it's close to the election. Who, who are you talking about, Beth? I'm talking about the congresswoman in Hawaii, the one that spoke out and said she's now jumping over to being you know away from the Democratic Tulsi, Party. Tulsi Tulsi Gabbard, huh? Yeah. Tulsi, mm-hmm. um, and when she was talking about that, I just I just said to myself, 
wait a minute, you know, it's so close to the election. You have these diehard Dems that have been Democratic. Their families have been Democratic for decades, and they really don't want to vote for somebody who isn't Democratic, but they can't help but see what's going on. So in their own conscience, they have to do what's right, but they're looking for a reason not to, and she's now giving him giving them that reason because she's now saying, oh, you know what, I have to even pull away from them. Uh, you know, and, and we have to stand up for the Constitution and the freedoms. But what I'm hearing here is that she's, you know, persuading them that, hey, jump on my side and with these other Democrats that might join me, and you know what's going to happen with that? They're going to vote for them. And when they get in office, they're going to do the same thing they're doing now. It's just a con game that they're pulling on the people. Because where was she where all this other stuff was going on? I mean, you know, two years ago, uh, hello, the election for one. And I'm just thinking, I hope these people don't buy into this, really, because this is just a scam that she's pulling on this. Because I don't see anything about her, especially the way Hawaii is being run. You know, it's horrible over there. And and then now all of a sudden, she had, you know, the light bulbs going on, and she just, oh, she just has to go to the other side now because she can't be a part of that party. No, she is still a part of that party. This is just another game. I have to give them points for being clever, though. They're extremely clever. Yeah, timing is everything, isn't it, Yes, Beth? it is. Beth, thank you for the call. Maxine is in Ohio. Maxine, thank you for calling Crosstalk. You're on the air. Hi, thank you. Um, when this first started, they said that there was about 13 strains that they have developed. And I think they're just bringing one out at a time and seeing how to work. These people are pure evil. And how we ever are allowed this country to get in this shape. But now, besides praying, and I'm not saying that praying isn't the way to go, but what else can we do? Okay, uh, Maxine, thank you. Thank you for the call, and I believe uh, many would echo uh, your questions. What else uh, can we do? And uh, one thing for sure that uh, everyone is saying uh, right now is vote. Get registered and make sure you are vote. Get out to the polls uh, in uh, November for uh, for for midterms. 1-800-733-9829. 1-800-733-9829. Fred is in Milwaukee. Uh, Fred, thanks for calling. Yes, I was wondering why are we still going to use the same bandit voting machines for this upcoming election? There's something wrong that they're going to keep using the same thing that allowed them to cheat the last time. Great question. Thank you for calling, Fred. A couple of other uh, stories that we ought to uh, get out there uh, today. And uh, this, of course, uh, has to do with uh, weapons here in our country and and uh, all that is uh, taking place. This just happens to be in uh, the in our state of Wisconsin here, state of Wisconsin, a Wisconsin county giving approval for employees to carry on the job. And it wasn't a close call on the part of a county commissioner either. In fact, it was a unanimous 7-0 to zero vote by Kenosha County's Finance and Administration Committee. As a result, any county employee who possesses a valid concealed carry license will soon be able to lawfully carry on the clock, at least if they don't work in one of the buildings designated by the, by the county as a gun-free zone, like the county courthouse and jail facility. A couple of other stories uh, regarding uh, regarding uh, arms, and then Joe is waiting on the line. We'll talk to him as next when when Crosstalk continues. Stay with us. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Now it has gone international. The sad video out of the mid south where I live of daycare workers putting on a scream horror mask and getting into the face and literally screaming in the face of little toddlers, and then chasing them around the room, horrifying them from one classroom to the other. As I said, the video has gone international. I talked to the sheriff's department for that county and was told last Friday that daycare has been closed while they're under investigation. But what does this say about our culture? What is happening to the children of America? Apparently, if they're not being aborted, they're being encouraged to be shot up with a COVID-19 shot, that has had horrible effects on people of all ages. What has happened to the fact that we don't seem to value children? 
Jesus talked a lot about children, that the kingdom of heaven is filled with children. What it says about our culture is we're a debased culture that doesn't respect life or the little ones. We, uh, we begin the hour talking about, yes, we have a whole hour ahead of us, and that hour goes so fast we could easily go into a second hour with the stack of stories that uh, is before us, but we do the best we can to get you some of these uh, some of these headlines. Joe is in Wisconsin. Uh, thanks for calling Crosstalk, Joe. Hey, Mr. Windsor. I just want to say you're doing a great job filling in for Mr. Schneider. Oh, and, praise uh, the Lord. I, I want to run something about regarding the COVID ventilation. Mm-hmm. So back in December of last year, uh, my, my father was hospitalized for COVID, and they were going to intubate him not only once, but then twice. What happened is he refused the second intubation, and by grace of God, he survived because he refused that second intubation. So it, it, now this is in Tolan, Wisconsin. So maybe New York in that area, you know, the uh, tri-state region around New York may have had the most ventilation deaths per capita. But yeah, that, it was happening around here, too. And uh, the way it was staged is the doctor, the physician would offer the patient multiple intubations. So if the patient didn't know better, then they were signing their death warrant, basically. And it was a protocol, correct? I mean, it was something they were doing across the board, correct? Exactly. Yes, mm-hmm. you're correct. Okay. Joe, thanks for calling. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'm sure, a continuing, uh, you know, developing story to look back on. Uh, just before the break, we were we shared the uh, the, the story on uh, the uh, Wisconsin or employees, uh, county employees being able to being able to carry on the job. Wanted to mention this one, uh, Breitbart reporting that uh, President Joe Biden saying Tuesday that he will pass the assault weapon ban again before he leaves office. Uh, Biden told the uh, anchor uh, Jake Tapper, I'm going to get an assault weapons ban before this is over. I'm going to get that again. Not a joke. And then um, from National Review, this has made some uh, big news this week. And Nicholas Cruz, the gunman responsible for the horrible deaths of 14 students and three staff members uh, in Parkland, Florida, has been sentenced to life in prison by a Florida jury. Uh, the jury opting against the death penalty because Cruz suffered developmental delays as a result of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. You would remember the shooting occurring on Valentine's Day 2018. Cruz was armed with semi-automatic rifle and at least 300 rounds of ammunition, charging into one of the school campus buildings. Uh, Cruz Cruz discharged over 100 rounds as he stalked hallways and classrooms, uh, retracing his steps to ensure that no one uh, was left alive. Uh, that uh, is the country's deadliest high school shooting. Paul is in Dallas, Texas. Thank you for calling Crosstalk. Hello? Hello, Hello Paul. You're on the air. Oh, I, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to talk about my brother-in-law who died last year of cancer. And uh, he went to the hospital. They put him in the COVID ward, and his wife was worried that he might get COVID. So she wanted him out of there. And uh, they didn't want to let them out. And they were keeping them separate during this time because she, uh, she didn't have COVID and he, he was in the COVID ward. They tested him three times before they relented to his wife and took him out of the COVID ward. Went on the CDC site to understand why, and I found out money. So when the, the CDC gets money for treating COVID patients, from the from the government, it used to be on the CDC site. I don't know if they've taken it down yet, but a lot of these hospitals, the administrators, if they could if they could check COVID on the death certificate, then they get money from from the CDC. And this is happening. I heard it from nurses too. So yes. my brother-in-law eventually died, but he got to he got to spend his last few moments. With his wife in her, with uh, his wife was with him. So this is uh, this tells me right away that hospitals and hospital administrators, we can't trust them anymore. We cannot trust our health 
to uh, certain medical systems. All right, Paul, uh, in Dallas, Texas, uh, we, we thank you for listening. Obviously, thank you for calling, and, and we're sorry for, for you know, the loss of uh, your loved one there. And uh, we're, we're uh, maybe going to have time to get to Denise. She is in Arizona. Thank you for calling, Denise. You're on Crosstalk. Hi. Um, I wanted to know, a friend of mine told me that if you got the COVID shot, that the insurance companies are denying you, uh, insurance if one of your loved ones passed away from the COVID shot. Have you heard anything about that? I'm not the one to ask uh, <laughs> regarding... Maybe any of your listeners? Yeah, well, I'm, if we had more time, maybe someone would be able to call in and, and direct you on that. But your question again, uh, briefly? If you got the COVID shot, are you um, are the insurance companies... Um, if your loved one received the COVID shot and they passed away oh. from COVID... Are the insurance companies denying their right to pay out because the COVID shot was oh. not tested or approved, and you knew that, and you intentionally caused harm upon your body by getting this COVID shot? Sure. Well, that is a that is a a, a great question. I'm sure a, a better legal question for someone such as uh, Matt Staver if he was a guest or something. But but uh, stay tuned. Maybe some of that information uh, would become available. I do not have anything of that nature in front of me at uh, this point. But thank you for calling. Jerry is uh, on the line from Wisconsin. Hi, Jerry. Yeah, uh, this I feel bad for this uh, congressman uh, uh, couple in Illinois that lost their daughter. But this should be a wake up call. I mean, I heard Brandon talk about it, too. He said, if they can't figure out what this person died from, you need to just assume they died from the COVID. If they were mm-hmm. healthy and it, and it cannot be proven otherwise that that they uh, that she died from something else, then hopefully it's a wake-up call uh, for these parents. And is this a Democrat uh, congressman or a Republican? Do you know? Are you talking about Tulsi Gabbard? No, no, the gal in Ellen, the the couple in Illinois that lost their daughter. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, uh, the, yeah, he is a Democrat. Yes. Okay. Well, this should be a wake up call to him and his family that they need to uh, investigate what's going on with these shots. There's enough doctors, enough information out there, you know, to for them to base uh, facts on the, you know, the the facts that people are dying from these vaccines. You know, athletes falling over. Yes. Dead all over the world, Jerry. Yeah. Thank you for the call here in Wisconsin, and we are just uh, we are just simply out of time. And yeah, it seems we hear so much about uh, the tragedies and the loss and the death. But I'm also reading a headline here that talks about new life, friends. Quickly, listen to this headline: Alabama high school football team team gets baptized together. Work in a, a Christian church that happened back in August. Over 60 players coming to Christ. Praise the Lord for new life that can still be found in Jesus Christ. Friends, we're out of time. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from BCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from CrosstalkAmerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk.